This Word on Fire Minute is brought to you by Advantage Futures. As Catholics, we must take advantage of new technology to spread the faith. Wordonfire.org is on the front lines, featuring the work of one of the church's best messengers, Father Robert Barron. At wordonfire.org, you'll find inspirational podcasts, videos, audio sermons, books, DVDs, and the Catholicism Project. It is one of the most ambitious efforts ever to promote the Catholic faith to the world. Catholicism is Father Barron's global documentary series, filmed in high definition and now in production for TV and DVD. Father Barron's series will illustrate the beauty and depth of the church and explain the Catholic faith on our own terms. It will be an exciting new way for families, parishes, and schools to teach Catholicism. Preview the production, join our email list, and contribute to the Catholicism Project at wordonfire.org. Become part of the story today. This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us, so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we come now to this great feast of Corpus Christi, the feast of the body and blood of Jesus. You know, there's a a kind of everything quality to the Eucharist, since the Eucharist is Jesus. There is in it an inexhaustible treasure of truth, wisdom, spiritual power. It's like we can never say enough about the Eucharist. But I want to stress this today. We'll never understand the Eucharist at all without a keen understanding of the Old Testament and the history of salvation. Remember, go right back to the beginning. Our problems began with a bad meal. Adam and Eve grasped at divinity for themselves. They took the knowledge of good and evil as their own prerogative. They grasped, they seized at food, symbolic of this knowledge. What God has wanted from the beginning was to feed us with his very life. But here's the rub. I know I've said it to you before. The divine life can only be received as a gift. It can never be taken as a possession. Let me say that again, because everything hinges on this. The divine life, because it's a gift in itself, can only be received as a gift, never taken as a possession. That's what went wrong on the biblical reading with our first parents. So, throughout salvation history, God is continually trying to reestablish the gracious meal, during which he shares with us his life, and we receive that gift as a gift before we share it with others. Think of that now as as the best biblical image for what God wants. 
God gives his life as a gift. We receive it as a gift. We don't take it, make it our own, but we receive it and then share it. That's what God wants to establish. That is what original sin interrupted. Okay. Nowhere is this clearer than in the institution of the Passover Supper. As God constitutes Israel as a people, he asks them to sit down once a year at this great ritual meal. The defining activity of the Jewish people would be a meal shared with each other in which they graciously acknowledge God's love for them. This is why table fellowship was so important to Jesus. Who is Jesus but Yahweh made flesh? God himself come in person among us. And so again and again, Jesus sits down in easy fellowship with his disciples, with people from every background, every social condition, saints and sinners, insiders and outsiders. Jesus was embodying in this table fellowship Yahweh's desire to undo the bad meal of Eden and to establish this meal of grace. That's why, friends, it is massively important to note that the night before he died, Jesus sat down for a last meal, a Passover supper. He did what Jews had done for centuries before him, what they continue to do to the present day. He shared a meal of unleavened bread, wine, herbs, and a roasted lamb. He was speaking and acting in the person of Yahweh, gathering and feeding his people as God wanted to gather and feed them from the beginning. And notice, please, he feeds them not with ordinary food, but with his very life. This is my body. Take and eat. This is my blood. Take and drink. This time, notice, they didn't grasp at it. They received it as a gift and then shared it among their fellows. Do you see how the Last Supper is the undoing of the Garden of Eden? It's the reestablishment of the sacred meal. This was Isaiah's holy mountain. Remember Isaiah said that when we gather on God's holy mountain, when he gathers all the tribes of Israel together, when we beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks, it's also a place of a great festive banquet. Well, the Last Supper is Isaiah's holy mountain. And this, friends, is exactly where we are whenever we gather for the Mass. We are, once again, sitting down for a meal with the Lord Jesus and with our brothers and sisters. We, as the disciples did, listen to his gracious words, and then we receive, as a gift, his body and blood. Every Mass 
is the undoing of Eden. Every Mass is the reestablishment of the sacred banquet, what God has wanted from the beginning. Okay, so far, so good. But this tells, I would argue, only part of the story of the Eucharist. Because we have to remember a principle that runs right through the Bible. And here's the principle. In a world gone wrong, there is no communion without sacrifice. Let me say it again. In a world gone wrong, namely ours, in a world that's, that's off kilter, there is no communion, sacred banquet, without sacrifice. See, if we are off kilter, out of line, misaligned, then coming back on track will cost us. It's true in any area of life. If your golf swing is off kilter, it's going to cost you. It'll, it'll be painful, difficult to bring it back online. If a friendship has been injured, interrupted, hurt in some ways, it'll cost the friends to bring it back to where it was. This is why every major covenant in the Old Testament is accompanied by sacrifice. Our first reading for today gives us the unforgettable picture of Moses ratifying the covenant between Yahweh and Israel by the splashing of blood. Remember, they slaughter the bulls, and he puts the blood into bowls, and he puts half of the blood on the altar, and then he sprinkles half of the blood on the people. What was he doing? He was ratifying this covenant of communion between Yahweh and Israel, but signaling the fact that this would involve blood. This would cost. This would hurt. That's what everyone did now when he brought an animal to the holy temple in Jerusalem and offered it to the priest to be slaughtered. As this animal sheds its blood, so I'm, as it were, shedding my life's blood to be brought back online with the Lord. Notice too, please, the Passover meal itself was centered around a sacrifice. Because the lamb that was consumed, the lamb that would be shared among the people on that festive night, had previously been sacrificed unto God. Now, you know, there's so much confusion on this point that I want to pause to explain this a bit more carefully. God does not need our sacrifices. We are not, in the sort of pagan manner, propitiating an angry God, you know, as though we're approaching a dysfunctional father who needs this blood sacrifice to be quieted. Rather, throughout the Bible, the sacrifice is for our sake, not for God's. By it, as I said, we're signaling the wrenching of our lives back on line. What the participants in the Passover sacrifice were saying was, what happened to this animal should happen to me. The blood of this animal poured out is my lifeblood poured out. You know, in light of all this, isn't it fascinating 
that the bread and wine are referred to prominently in the Last Supper account, but not the lamb. Sure, there's bread and there's wine at, at, at a Passover meal, but the heart of a Passover meal would be that sacrificed lamb. It's never mentioned, though, in the New Testament accounts. Well, there's a very simple but I think profound reason for this. Jesus is himself the lamb of sacrifice. The lamb isn't mentioned because Jesus is the lamb. When John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time in the Gospel of John, he introduces him, he announces him by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus' body and blood are not just food and drink at the divine banquet. They are that indeed. Everything I've said in the first part of the homily remains true. But they are also the stuff of sacrifice. This is my body, listen now, which will be given up for you. That's temple language. That's sacrificial language. This is the cup of my blood, which will be shed for you, so that sins may be forgiven. That's pure temple language. That's why you'd pour out the blood of the animals, that your sins might be forgiven. And so Jesus, at the heart of this sacred banquet, is also announcing himself as the great Passover lamb. He himself is the Paschal lamb of sacrifice. Again, not because the Father needs it, but because we need it. And he offers himself on our behalf for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven. See, in Jesus Christ, God goes all the way to the bottom of our dysfunction, taking upon himself the sins of the world And in his sacrifice, we are brought back to God. That's why the central focus of the Mass is both a table and an altar. Table, sure, it's a place where we gather for the sacred meal. But altar as well. Because it's the place where a sacrifice is made. In a world gone wrong, there is no communion without sacrifice. And so it goes at every Mass. There we experience the greatest communion possible with God and with each other. But it's made possible by the great sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb. Friends, let both those themes stay clearly in your mind as we celebrate this great Feast of the Eucharist the feast of the body and blood of Jesus. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. 